The Spanish Announce Table. Tom, it is episode 335 of the Spanish Announce Table. Uh, boy, we are getting this just under the wire. We went, uh, we took the bold step of telling folks on the Twitters and the whatnot that we would go live at this time. And uh, boy, life gets in the way sometimes. So we we're frantically going. Uh, programs had updates to do. So if you're watching this on the YouTube live, uh, you may see some fun things happen. You may see green screens appear magically out of nowhere. It, it may appear like we're in the same room, but guess what? You know, the, Magic the veil the may be lifted. Veil may be lifted as we as we go along. But man, Tom, a pro wrestling wonder week, yeah. Oh my goodness! You know, I like to say that this is the wacky world of pro wrestling, as it is a niche interest, but. Uh, this week was a little bit more wackier than normal. We obviously had a pay-per-view from AEW on a Sunday night because of the holiday weekend here in America. And then we had some news from WWE that was not in the ring. It was breaking kayfabe, some real news. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But as I just mentioned, we were talking about Double or Nothing. Uh, for people who have been with us for a while now, you know that we focus on our favorite show. And our favorite show is Dynamite and that promotion that gives you dynamite is AEW. And as I mentioned, they had a pay-per-view. So let's talk about it. AEW, double or nothing. So before we get into all the matches, I want to first ask you, Tim, sold out crowd. Looked to be 5,000 plus people. How'd you feel about just seeing the sold out crowd? What, what were your first thoughts of just seeing the aesthetics of a sold out crowd in 2021? Well, that was interesting, uh, was it not? Um, I, uh, ah, it, it was a shocker, but it was also fun, and it was almost a religious experience to see it again uh, through in some points of the night. It got me excited at home. The, the energy that that crowd brought to the event elevated all the matches to a different level than it would have been if it would have just been you know two months ago when they were doing matches at half capacity so i was i thoroughly enjoyed the atmosphere obviously i wasn't there so uh being kind of a selfish dick uh they took the risk so you know they knew what was at risk when they attended a sold out event so good luck to you kind of thing uh, but for me as the viewer at home i was into it I, I forgot what that electric feel from a crowd sounds like and feels like and you know it was awesome it was really cool just to see it right there so let's get into the matches now we had yeah. the kickoff show and tim i don't know if i can remember a kickoff match being as good as rio versus serena Deeb for the nwa women's championship and i'm talking not in just aew across the board wwe uh you know back in the day when they used to do sunday night heat on mtv this was amazing serena Deeb picks up the victory but tim what'd you think serena Deeb has quickly become one of my favorites uh in wrestling women's wrestling whatever you want to say uh, she has just been putting on performance after performance after performance and i don't remember who um i heard somebody mention it that like every time she performs it feels like an actual contest yeah it does she brings an authenticity to her matches very similar to like Shawn michaels first title reign if you remember like after he beat bret hart at wrestlemania 12 and then he was taking on you know mankind it felt like well i don't know i know it's a like i obviously know it's a, a wrestling match but are they really like trying to compete for a real winner to this? Like, are they shoot wrestling? And she brings that that uh, 
that element to her matches and the violence at the very end of this match, just shoving um, Riho's knee into the ground 37 million times. I mean, good God. Like, I know that we're trying to protect each other. I don't know how you can uh, gently throw someone's knee into the ground as many times as Serena did to Rio. 37 so. million times. I yeah, think. Apparently. That was an actual, we don't fact check typically here, but Tom wanted to get that one right, and we double-checked it before. We, we went and watched the, yeah. the match back, and 37. You needn't watch it back to fact check the fact checkers. Right. But you trust you us. you double-counted for me, right? I counted Hashtag it first, and then us. you did. Yeah. Hashtag trust us. Good, good call. Uh, here's my question, though, about with the Serena Deeb Riho match. It was for the NWA World Women's World Championship. And this is, again, where I don't know what we're doing. This feels like WCW when they would have NWA matches back then. So does this mean that Serena Deeb is now going to be the challenger for Britt Baker? You know, as we foreshadow to that match here in a little bit. But what does that mean for her just to be the NWA champion on an AEW show, I guess. Well, yeah, you know, the NWA, I think, has announced they're going to get folks back um, in crowds and whatnot and maybe back on, you know, regular TV. But, like, I, I think it's weird because she's getting more exposure now mm -hmm. on the AEW side. And so, yeah, that's weird. Do, I, hey, I think she would get a great match out of, out of Britt Baker, and it would be a great spot. But... Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, it is interesting. It could be, you know, like champion versus champion, but I don't want Britt Baker walking around pulling the Kenny Omega gimmick either. So I don't know that I would marry those two. It is interesting. It's been a great holdover, but, uh, you know, could they be adding other talent that maybe they don't need Serena Deeb there? Or you just sign her. You know, That's what I'm saying is maybe yeah. we just say, hey, Serena, thank you so much for your time. Well, you've been an NWA employee. We'd like you to become an AW employee and put the ball in her court. Make her make the decision of where she wants to go uh, because – NWA seems great. I like Nick Aldis, uh, Trevor Murdoch, a uh, friend of the show. He's over there challenging Nick Aldis for the World Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa have been killing it on the women's side. But for me, as an AEW fan, and I don't particularly uh, make it appointment viewing for NWA, just going to be completely transparent, I would rather have Serena Deeb in the fold challenging Britt Baker for the AEW women's title instead of holding the NWA championship. But... We'll see what happens. Now, let's go into the kickoff, excuse me, the kickoff of the pay-per-view. This was Hangman Adam Page taking on the machine, Brian Cage. Brian Cage coming out looking like the Terminator, uh, which never looks good. I don't think anyone's actively ever pulled that look off, but he tried. Um, and then you had Hangman Adam Page, and this was the perfect match to start off double or nothing. Tim, what did you think of this? Uh, gosh, what an intense battle of some pros here, right? With conflicting styles, so it was unique to see how they go. Albeit Brian Cage did wrestle more, you know, of the more modern style, if you will. Mm -hmm. Which, um, God, it, I just I like this. I like the spots. I, sometimes uh, these events where they're outdoor and you get that like sun's going down, crowds getting hot. Like, God, this felt great. Yeah, and I liked the storytelling of this. Obviously, the action was really good. Brian Cage is an action figure that can do all types of moves. But at the end, we had Brian Cage hit a big move, doesn't get the finisher, or excuse me, doesn't get the three count off of that finishing maneuver. Hook and Ryan uh, Ricky Starks comes what in. What a maneuver. 
What a maneuver it was. Ricky Starks and Hook comes out. Ricky Starks throws the belt to Brian Cage and is like, hey, let's fucking use this title and get this W. And Brian Cage is like, no, this is when I need to prove that I can actually beat this guy on my own. So he says, fuck that title. Ends up costing him because it was a distraction. Hangman gets the victory, shares a beer with a fan in the audience. And then we get in the ring, Ricky Starks and Hook confronting Brian Cage. And Brian Cage is like, I'll whip your ass. And Ricky Starks is like, hey, hey, I have this neck. So, like, cool down. And to Brian Cage's credit, because I think we are turning him babyface, not extra heel. He's like, all right, well, then fuck out of here. And Taz was on commentary. He wasn't happy about the uh, turn of events. So I'm interested to see two things. One, where Brian Cage goes within Team Taz. And two, if he leaves Team Taz, are we going to make this FTW championship a real thing in AEW? Because is, does he going to just say, hey, I'm not part of Team Taz. This title is fake too, so I'm retiring it or you know throwing it to the wayside? Or are we going to say Ricky Starks is going to challenge Brian Cage for the FTW championship? I, I wouldn't mind that. And I think AEW could find a deal. Obviously, you know, I, who knows what they're willingness to work with folks are i mean you know taz will be all over that like hey i'm getting a big chunk of this profits if we're using this mm -hmm. as merch and and whatnot but it could stand to make money via that reason um plus it's it's a little bit of thumbing towards the pg nature of the number one right so i i would be all for it but i don't know that we're gonna see it for those reasons i think there may be like you know, I, I get the feel that maybe they won't even have the negotiations knowing that, like, oh, we're going to have to pay, pay Taz some money and we'll just create another title if we want one. Yeah, I just, I'm curious to see, because he's the title holder, it would be different if it was Ricky Starks who was doing the babyface turn and he was leaving the group because then you could just say, like, well, you're not even the FTW champion. My guy, Brian Cage, is yada, 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 and we're going down that route. But he is the champion, so now does Powerhouse Hobbs jump in there? Does Ricky Starks get in there? Uh, I'm very interested, uh, as people who are tuning in right now know, uh, we're doing this on a Thursday night, and because of the NBA playoffs, uh, Dynamite is Friday night, so we'll see the fallout from this match. Well, and uh, those of you tuning in right now, understand the chat is open. Uh, feel free to chime in with some thoughts. Uh, you know, you want to tell us how great we are. We understand that as well. Sometimes you can't wait. Send it in an email later or whatnot. And more on that later. We got some emails, Tom, and some hey. tables. Fun ahead as we uh, continue through our AW uh, uh, <laughs> uh, review here. Recap. Yeah, so now let's get into the AEW Tag Team Championship match. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Young Bucks. Oh, this is when that crowd took this whole event to a new level. Watching John Moxley and Eddie Kingston walk out amongst the crowd with Wild Thing playing, it just made me, it was the first moment since fans have been allowed, you know, at limited capacity back into wrestling shows where I was like, I want to fucking be there. John Moxley throwing the chair, standing up on the, the guardrail, Eddie Kingston uh, laughing and jumping side to side and swinging the shoes. I was like, God damn it. That is where I want to be. That was the first time since we've done this whole stuff where I was like, I do not want to be home. I want to be there. I want to be at that event. Yeah, that would have been fun to be there. That was one that I think we'll remember for a while. This double or nothing card was, you know, like it, especially in caps of it, the middle got a little, you know, droned out. But uh, other than the, you know, it, it, as we'll get there, but this was an event that I think we'll remember like, man, that was a cool time. 
Yeah, definitely. So then the Young Bucks come out, and I tell you what, Nick Jackson dyeing that beard. Yikes. You look like a Dollar General action figure with the two-tone color. What the hell? It looks like the Dollar General uh, supposedly Rambo. Yeah. Oh, God. It just looks so bad, which maybe that's what he's going for, right? Maybe because they're heels. They're like, we're leaning into this. We'll look more like an idiot. And they definitely did. But this was a fun match. I liked how the two styles clashed here because you had the flips and shits of the Young Bucks, but then the brawling style of Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. And this was a really well laid out match with highs and lows. And everyone I felt got their shit in, as they say. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Young Bucks ended up picking up the victory. Uh, Tim, what did you think of the match? The match, I think, went on long for where they got to i think you know if you're breaking down a pro wrestling match obviously that's not what the young bucks do uh <laughs> to some extent so i get it i just felt like they repeated a couple of moments and spots sometimes but other than that i think they were playing to the crowd they healed it up i gotta say i mean this is it, they made me hate every bit of the young bucks for that. So I'll give them, I'll give them their props. Yeah. And they, and they tried to break the fourth wall a couple different times doing the shield, uh, you know, fist together. And then they tried to do the Matt Jackson does the Roman reigns, uh, you know, war cry to then do the power bomb, but then John Moxley kicks him in the head. The thing that I thought was interesting is it took four consecutive finishers from the young bucks onto john moxley to get the victory which breaking kayfabe here for a second if you've been paying attention to renee young uh she's not getting any less pregnant and so i think maybe this four consecutive v triggers onto um or bte yeah. triggers onto john moxley is a way to say hey john let's uh the knee lifts tom that's what they're called well, I mean, it would still hurt a knee lift to your forehead and yes. to the back of your head. That would hurt. Yes, of course. Uh, yes, for but sure. I think this was a way to get John Moxley off TV for a few weeks to maybe have him hang out with the new child and then have Eddie Kingston, which this gets me excited. Eddie Kingston solo baby face on a rampage, which, by the way, one detail uh, in this match that uh, I want to talk about is uh, Frankie Kazarian made an appearance. He took out. Uh, the Good Brothers and uh, Cutler during this, which furthers his story. So where do you think we're going to go with Eddie Kingston, Frankie Kazarian, and maybe if John Moxley's still there? I, I like the Frankie Kazarian interlude of it, albeit I think they didn't do a good job to anybody that missed his promo about mm -hmm. I'm going to come take you sons of bitches out one by one. Because um, if you didn't catch that, you'll be like, why in the fuck was Frankie Kazarian there? Because you probably forgot about them ending right so I, I think like that that could have been uh, somehow we could have been reminded of that earlier you know maybe he's stalking the halls of people like we haven't seen him since right X, y and z or something um however uh, i like that and i like that storyline and i can't wait to see more of it and hopefully we get some on elevation and dark which i think we saw in the news they're discussing kind of reformatting how that goes when they get crowds and, mm -hmm. and stuff and yeah you know maybe it's getting to be more what we want right a little more storyline driven an actual show and, and the one thing that I would have done a little bit different if I had the pencil here is because it was a sold out show and because there was so much movement, right? The Young Bucks were obviously wrestling Kenny, uh, or excuse me, not Kim, Kenny Omega, but uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Then you had the Good Brothers. Then you had Brian Cutler. This is when I would have went back to the Attitude Era and stolen a little bit of Stone Cold's music hits and we all know shit's about to hit the fan. 
play Frankie Kazarian's music to say like someone's coming out to help John and Eddie in this moment. Because when he just runs out, especially because, you know, my eyes weren't trained to know where to look. I kind of missed it until I think it was um, Excalibur was like Frankie Kazarian's there. I was like, oh, and then by the time I realized he was there, he was gone. So I may have played the music, which I know is kind of weird. Like, how do they know to play the music if it's all, you know, a shoot? But anyhow, uh, I did like the match, though. Uh, Excited to see where Eddie goes. Excited to see where the Young Bucks go, too, because now who's next for them? The Acclaimed is up there, but their heels Uh, You got the Varsity Blondes, but they've already been defeated by the Young Bucks. So as we see here from the chat, um, it says Kingston and Kazarian. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's the new team while John Moxley is uh, healing his wounds slash on paternity leave. I think. Keep talking, Tom. I got to fix the uh, audio here on my end. I think we lost me for a moment. Oh, you lost you. Okay. Well, then I'll just keep talking because you know what I love to do? Talk. And so... uh, Let's go into what I, I think, think I may be back. Are you back? I think it's registering now. Uh, shout out to the Domo guy on the chat who you yeah. were just referencing there. Um, let me know. Hey, no sound coming on one of you guys. And I think it's when I bumped the mic. Never That'll bumped happen. the mic. God Never damn it. Bumped the mic. Never bumped the mic. You bumped the, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You but, can bump whatever you uh, want. Just don't bump the mic. And Domo Guy also, when we said, you know, the chat is open. If you guys can't wait to tell us how great we are, did say, you guys aren't great. You're legends clearly a smart person that we're dealing with uh here in the chat hey uh, appreciate this, it this should also serve as a reminder to you folks who are a little nervous you get on the chat you talk to us live here on the show we will make you famous to all four of our viewers all four will hear your name uh you're missing a couple zeros there but yeah um yeah, let's get point- into 0. Let's, 0.4 let's get into the casino <sighs> right. battle royal which Four was next and then this is where I don't know. This is where, in my opinion, we kind of slowed down the event. We were really hot for Serena Deeb and Rio. We were really hot for Hangman versus Brian Cage. Obviously, that momentum kept going into the tag match. But then this was the point where it kind of slowed down a little bit, just at least for me. So the Casino Battle Royal. Tell me first off, before we kind of break down each of the big moments, what did you think of this match? Was this a hit for you? Was this a miss in the middle? Where were you at for this? Oh, I definitely think it's it was it probably... I wouldn't say it like flopped or failed, but I would say like what I thought maybe it was going to be didn't quite reach that, but it also wasn't bad. But I think, you know, these, these things always get the idea that like, this is going to be the show stealer. Any of these big, like we're going to lump everybody into a match on a big event, right? Money in the bank, uh, Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal. And sometimes, you know, they just go, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. I think, uh, I nailed it perfectly. Uh, saying jungle boy was going to win it. You totally guessed. There was a, you had no sound well, listen, decision. I mean, I you didn't just guess, were like, I think Jungle Boy. Yeah, but I didn't Boy. guess like, uh, you know, Private Party won. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I scientifically wild ass guessed. That's true. So, you That's know true. what I mean? Um, and yeah, there you go. Jungle Boy, uh, which not for nothing, even if this turns into a brass ring for Scorpio Sky type situation, at least we got the moment of the crowd doing the, oh, 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 oh so oh, great. Oh my God. So what a great moment. Great. So what a great moment. Awesome. I told now, my kids about that. It was awesome. My it was kids. so much fun. I started doing it with them, and I was like, I'm yeah. at home by myself. What the yeah. hell? Uh, it was so fun. I will say, <laughs> though, you know, as we'll get into a little bit of the WWE news after Double or Nothing about some releases that we'll talk about in a moment, the Casino Battle Royal 
made me further solidify my thoughts on, I think I've said this on the show before, is AEW does not need to hire anyone else in front of the camera. All of their new hires need to be mm-hmm. behind the camera, and this match was the definition of it. There were so many times where we're missing shots or we're getting the end of an elimination. Another bad spot, in my opinion, was we had Matt Hardy and Christian Cage in the ring. They're trying to play up the whole Edge and Christian versus uh, Hardy Boys thing, and the shot is just the crowd, but we got to see the the, the ace card or whatever the card was there. And it was just poorly shot. We didn't get the moment of Matt Hardy looking at Christian cage. We didn't get the moment of some of these eliminations. And it was like, this is when I don't want to necessarily see Braun Strowman or Andrade in AEW. I want to see that executive producer who's leaving WWE, you know, like that's who I, I think mean, needs to be coming over yeah, AEW because this match is- was not shot. Well, that's not wrong to point that out that like yes we do miss some things in aw or you know what i mean like the the infamous uh another event of these was when dark uh what is evil uno did the oops he missed the hurricane rana i'm just gonna beeline into the yeah post exactly still hit the spot they would have cut away from that already right you know like somebody a little more experienced maybe or at least a little more intuitive perhaps yeah. Some other thoughts I had about this uh, Casino Battle Royal. Uh, you had mentioned them. Private Party. What the fuck are they wearing looking like Old Navy associates? Like, they're khakis and then just a weird beige shirt? I think shirt? they were going for, like, Miami outdoor club look, you know? No, they went for, like, associate manager at your local Gap store. Not fucking anything private party cool. Not even that. A little more pretentious one like a Hollister or something. Yeah. Ah, just so bad. Uh, some other cool Those are spots. Our old guy references. Is that even like the thing anymore? <laughs> ah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but some other fun spots kids. from Don't here. Don't fucking matter anyway. You know what I'm saying. Is uh, the, the wild card. Leo Rush was the, the wild card. What do you think about Leo Rush potentially joining AEW? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't move the needle for me enough outside of his promo abilities right i think i kind of liked him better as bobby lashley's manager who can get in and do some things i don't know that i'm ever like pining to see like i really want leo rush to be ex-champion you know whatever Mm -hmm. you know fill in the blank champion Mm -hmm. you want i just i don't know and not that i hate him not that he's bad i mean he's definitely good and probably one of the best at what he does in, in some aspects i just it's again bloated roster already what's he gonna do that's true uh one thing that i did read post pay-per-view event is Tony Khan said, I think he's actually going to sign with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and this was a deal where New Japan is sharing their talent with AEW. And if that's the case, awesome, right? Bring in Leo Rush every so often for elevation. I I believe so. I mean, that's what Tony Khan alluded to. Uh, So we'll see. But, yeah, if, if you bring in Leo Rush for a dynamite match against Matt Seidel, perfect. I think if you're going to have Leo Rush in AEW, even though I'm not a fan of more belts, the better. I think that kind of makes your storytelling diluted a little bit. Uh, I would say that I think maybe we need to have uh, a cruiserweight or an X division, some type of uh, championship there where um, we can get some some those high flyers going in, uh, in AEW. All right, so let's move on to the next match of the night as we keep going here. Sorry for that delay. Uh, had a just quick moment of uh, clarity there for us. So we had 
da, 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 da. Oh, the where, right where we drop off, in my opinion, on this pay-per-view, Cody Rhodes, the American dream Cody Rhodes, taking on Anthony Agogo, uh, representing that evil England coming over here to America. How dare he? Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. This was, in my opinion. All right, so it looks like Tim is uh, having some technical difficulties here. So let's try to fill some time here. Uh, let's get back into Anthony Agogo versus uh, Cody Rhodes, the American Dream. This is where I saw a lot of fans talking about how they wanted Anthony Agogo to win the match because Cody apparently buries everyone. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily true. Obviously, you can look at some of his matches where he got squashed by uh, Brody Lee. He lost to MJF. He lost his championship opportunity to Chris Jericho where he can no longer challenge for that championship anymore. So I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that buries everyone. He did beat QT Marshall, which I think that was the right call. And in this match, I, I didn't mind that Cody won the match, but I think I would have rather had... Something to where Anthony Agogo looks good leaving the match. Because when you go into the match with uh, Anthony Agogo as the heel and he just loses and Cody says, America first, Memorial Day, right? It's like, okay, but then what are, you, what are we going to do with this guy? You know? And again, Anthony losing is fine because he had two matches at, you're not going to push him to the moon and have him challenge Kenny Omega next month. So he needs to get some reps in and build out his character a little bit. But if you would have had Cody win and then as you know, uh, Cody Rhodes has the American flag, uh, you know, in his hand, waving it around. Then you have Anthony Agogo attack him from behind, hit his finisher, stand over him and then leave. Now we make Anthony Agogo look a little bit better coming out of a match where he took a loss on a pay-per-view. Other than that, though, this was kind of uh, like what Tim was saying earlier. This is where we kind of fell off, in my opinion, with uh, the whole uh, momentum of Double or Nothing. Uh, we kind of started to say, you know what, let's just uh, taper down the expectations. And even though Cody is a, a major star, this was kind of a filler match uh, for him and his character, I think. So interested to see where he goes from here, because obviously now he goes back to the American Nightmare, not the American Dream. Um, but Cody Rhodes picks up the victory. Anthony Ogogo uh, comes out the loser. We'll see what happens next uh, for both guys, because I feel like that was the end of a story. And now we're going to get them branching off into two different directions. After that, we get into a TNT Championship match, Miro versus Lance Archer. And if you guys remember the preview show, I thought this was going to be match of the night. I really thought this was going to be the show stealer. And while it was good, I don't think it was the show stealer. I don't think it was match of the night. It almost felt more of a WWE-esque match where you had some fun gimmicks. Miro took a, a snake and threw it up the, the ramp. thought that was fun. But it almost felt like Lance Archer was there to make Miro look good. And that's fine, but now this is two years in a row where Lance Archer is challenging for your TNT championship at double or nothing. And on both times, he's coming out on the losing end. So I don't know if we may have him break off from Jake the Snake Roberts and say, I'm my own man. I can do better without you or what. But 
Lance Archer kind of came out uh, double or nothing, in my opinion, as one of the one of the bigger losers uh, as far as momentum and character. Because where do you go now? You know, uh, this I felt like could have been the start of something, but he gets choked out. He, get, I mean, there was no DQ finish or no shenanigans. It was just Miro putting on his finisher and saying like, "You're done, pal," and he was. So uh, Miro looked great. Miro was uh, really dominant in this one. Miro, though, comes out of this as one of the mo more dominant champions in recent memory, especially for the TNT Championship, because where Brody Lee had that squash match against Cody and looked like a million dollars, he had a couple more defenses, but then when Cody came back, that was the end of Brody Lee as champion. With Miro, I don't know where... We're going to go with this because he's running through Darby Allen. Now he's ran through Lance Archer. Who's next? That's the interesting question for me is do we put him in there with uh, a baby face like Jungle Boy? You know, uh, I know we talked about Jungle Boy challenging Kenny Omega in two weeks for the AW World Heavyweight Championship. But if he loses that, does he then go to the TNT Championship against Miro? And what does that match look like? So. Uh, it should be interesting to see where Miro goes from here because this unhinged, uh, almost like Lance Archer, everyone dies kind of gimmick where he's just a wrecking ball running through AEW. I don't know who has the momentum or the character right now to stop that. So should be interesting to see where Miro goes. But as far as Lance Archer, want to see something different here. This is where the next chapter, I think, needs to be told with him. Either breaking away from Jake the Snake or Jake the Snake takes him and really takes him underneath his wing and gives him this more evil persona to get him to new heights that he hasn't been to recently. So we'll see what happens there. As we continue. Uh, oh, there you go, Tim. Are I we mean, back? I think I may be here. I'm still, there you, go. Well, you know, I don't know what happened. Everything froze up and, and broke down. Sorry about that. Um, and then I could see you going, but I couldn't do anything about it. So that's fun. I'm still working on the, uh, the green screen aspect of it, but, uh, God, this match was, a. Uh, it was a fight. Yeah, but I, I mean, see, it here, was, it was this is where uh, I was saying, saying earlier, don't know if you caught it or not, but like, I thought this was going to be match of the night and I thought it was going to be really fun. However, it wasn't, it wasn't a battle as much as it was Miro saying, I'm the dominant alpha male here. So my question that I just posed to the, to the audience and I'll pose to you now that you've uh, been able to join us here is what's next for Miro. Who's the one that's going to at least put up a fight against Miro as the TNT champion. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, um, I mean, there's so many folks that they've got. I mean, I think they'll probably put some throwaways, right? You're going to see some and Joey Janelle is injured, right? But you're going to see, right. You know what I mean? Somebody get thrown in out there, but who's the next big feud? I if their pinnacle's still a thing, maybe somebody from there, maybe get like a well, pinnacle's heel. So that's what I was thinking. Maybe yeah, Jake Hager. If you, if you go on the inner circle, right? If you go on the other side, is the face? Yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. But uh, another person that I thought of is you know, in two weeks we've got uh, Jungle Boy taking on Kenny Omega. I think the consensus there is that Jungle Boy will not become AEW World Heavyweight Champion, but if he has a good showing. Maybe we do Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Jurassic Express taking on the juggernaut that is Miro. Maybe that's where we go, but I'm interested to see what at least happens with Miro as the uh, TNT champion. So now let's move into 
what was I, th- what I thought was the MVP, the, the, you know, we talked about this in the pre-show. I thought this night will be remembered as the new era for Britt Baker. And I think we got that, but it was the AW world women's world championship match. Hikaru Shida versus Dr. Britt Baker. D M D Tim. I've been gas bagging long enough. What did you think of this match? Uh, I like this match a lot. Um, I, and I, I, the, the, in the end, it came out right, right. DMD wins and you know, we, we got the pop and we got everything we would look for there. However, I just, from the storytelling perspective, it's odd, right? Like Tony Schiavone's coming out to the heel. Who's been abusing him, hugging her, which I don't think was probably part of the script. So that was weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. This is where I'd mentioned it in the TNT championship match from a character perspective. I thought Lance Archer was a big loser as far as what he does next, where his momentum is, uh, evolution of his character. And I think the bigger loser than Lance Archer was Akara Shida because she came in here on the heels of the dynamite controversy, which breaking kayfabe Spanish announcer made fun of her accent. He gets fired. That causes some controversy in AEW outside of inside the ring. But she comes in here, looks like a million dollars with her get up and her gear has another fantastic match, but then just loses taps out too. It wasn't, it wasn't because uh rebel, you know, hit her with the crutch or anything like that. She just tapped out to the lockjaw. There was no double turn, nothing. So now we get the pop reaction for Britt Baker, which is fine. But I thought if you knew that going into this match, that everyone's going to be doing the DMD and we love Britt Baker. Let's do a heel. Let's do the double switch. I know it's, it's hard to do, right? Not every match you can just do the double turn, but let's make Sheeta then the heel and do some heel tactics to then Britt Baker gets the lockjaw, gets the victory, and now we're cheering her because it makes sense. And then Hikaru Sheeta can go like, hey, now I'm desperate. I lost my title. Now bitches are getting bucked up. I got my kendo stick. I'm hitting everyone in the back. Something. But it just was like, there went Sheeta. Sheeta's gone. Bye-bye. What's next for Britt Baker? Hey, the pretty girl's walking around. Let's go talk to her. Yeah, it did feel a little off. It was interesting. I, I, I don't know where they go out of it because now you feel like she's got to be a um, – now you feel like she's got to be a face, and so I just don't know where you, you – know. So this is where it's interesting. This is where I think we're going to see the real writing abilities of AEW because, you know – when WWE notices that the heel gets babyface reactions, then they start changing the character and then the character becomes sympathetic and fighting from underneath. I don't think that works for Britt Baker. So what I hope to see from AEW's writing is that Britt Baker still stays as the DMD. We just all know that she's cool. You know what I mean? There's a difference between, now I'm fighting from underneath. Hey, fans, like Chris Jericho's doing that right now with the inner circle where he's like, fans, you're right behind us. And it's just, no, no, that's not what makes you cool, Chris Jericho. What makes you cool is your one-liners and your zingers and your I'm cooler than everyone else. We like that. So with Britt Baker, I fear that we're going to start to do the, hey, guys, couldn't have done it without the help of all you smiling faces out there. Go visit me at my dentist office, the DMD, you know. And then we come like a caricature. So I don't know. Uh, we do hear from Britt Baker Friday night, though. 
What do you expect yeah. to hear from her as far as the new champion? You know, she's been playing the heel well, so I expect more of that unless they're going to change her to face. But like even that, I expect the cockiness. I hope the cockiness. That's what I'm fearing is that then we just be, get this whole now she's everyone's favorite. Rebel's going to turn on her so that she's by herself. And then we get this solo run from the doctor. I don't necessarily want to see that. I want to see Rebel still, you know, kissing her ass. I still want to see her bullying uh, Tony Schiavone, at, you know, spas and ripping off his chest hair and things like that. Like, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see, you know, hugging people in the, the crowd. I don't want to see that shit. But yeah. we shall we shall see. Now, let's get into what I thought was the biggest surprise of Double or Nothing. It was the tag team match, Sting and Darby Allin taking on Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Tim, what did you think of this match? Uh, I thought this match was fun. Um, I, I Sting gave us more than I expected he would give us. Um, and the spots were, you know, I the suplex on the, on the steps were kind of like, whoa, whoa, buddy. Whoa. But other than that, I mean, I thought the storyline aspect of it was good um, in that regard, but it's still just kind of, you know, it, it was an empty storyline to begin with. So it was an empty storyline. I will give you that. I thought though, you know, I'm a sting Mark say whatever you want. Call me whatever you want. I don't care. I love sting. I'm always going to love sting. He's my favorite. One of my favorites. And I love that. He took off the, the t-shirt. We didn't get TNA sting here. We got, old school sting in his singlet out there wrestling scorpio sky and well, you take shirt off you know yeah it was shirt great yeah. yeah i liked it a lot and i like the finish the finish was good enough to where it came out of nowhere but it protected everyone involved because it was scorpio sky going for his finisher Sting hangs onto the ropes gets the scorpion death drop he gets the one two three hey we're all happy here i think coming out of this we're gonna get Darby Allen, Ethan Page. I think that's where the real money is. I don't think there's really much of a story with Scorpio Sky and Sting. I think we have a lot of uh, layers to unfold with Ethan Page and Darby Allen. So I think we're going to get that. And I think that's why Sting pinned Scorpio Sky. But I am hoping for what a great performance from Sting. Now, hey, pal. Why don't you, why don't you hang out in the back for a couple weeks? You know, I don't necessarily yeah. need to see you like I do Chris Jericho every week and I don't even need to see Chris Jericho every week either, but like, let's have sting come back, come back at all out. You know, that's in November, I think it is, or September. Let's, let's have you come back then. But for the next couple months, just chill. Just, yeah. you know, hang out. Yeah. Just chill. Hang out. Uh, you know, maybe if you got any tips on, you know, uh, doing a live podcast without, uh, problems you know we'd hear you on that because you know we could use some help on that as it seems but yes i agree with the uh with the sting um you know i look sting's done everything he can do for me now you know i don't see anything else that i'm gonna get from seeing a sting match so i agree let's go let's do some more sideline sting moments right a special sting segment you know interview segments or slash you know well, I want to just see Darby Allen go out there by himself. We don't see Sting until we need him, right? He almost becomes Batman of AEW where Darby Allen, let's say, picks up some more victories. Then he says, you know what? I want that TNT championship back for Miro. Miro, maybe then by that time, has some goons of his own, right? Maybe it's a, a Kip Sabian that jumps in Darby Allen's way, someone like that. And then 
during All Out or whatever the, you know, uh, full gear, whatever the pay-per-view you want to pick is, then we see Sting come back and say like, hey, Darby, I got your back. But I don't want to see him uh, in another feud by himself. I want to see him make me miss him. You know, less is more with Sting, I think, especially at his age. So now let's move into one of the best matches. Tim, I'm going to say, obviously of this year, but maybe of all time. I was so thoroughly impressed by the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match, Pac versus Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy. This was out of this world awesome. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like the the athleticism and the fun spots they did were great. I mean, I I just you know there are some some things where if you're running down the believability aspect of things, you're kind of like all right. But I guess that's what you get with some of this performers in this kind of style. Um, so I w- I wouldn't rank it on my all time list or anything, but I thought this was a damn good like energy building match. Oh man, this is close to getting on my all-time list. And this is why. It had all your fun stuff that you can just show a casual fan who thinks, you know, pro wrestling is Haystacks Calhoun sitting on people, right? You could say like, "No, these are some real athletes." But to your point, it did have some moments where we're going to hold the hand and run up the uh turnbuckle and jump off the rope and all that kind of stuff, right? And yeah, that's not great. However, the part of this triple threat that put it over the top for me is it had all the character spots for each person that got them over. So you had the orange Cassidy still putting his hands in his pockets, kicking up, doing the kicks to bait the uh, other guy into kind of a false sense of security. Then you had Kenny Omega, the belt collector, literally taking every belt to hit Pac over the head with. And then you had Pac, the high-flying, you know, charismatic enigma bastard version of uh, Jeff Hardy doing all of his flips and shits from the top rope. It's just like everyone got their shit in without just saying like, hey, lay down, I'm going to do this, but then you kick up. Like it all made sense and we all understood, at least from my point of view, what each character was in a triple threat where sometimes all that shit can get lost. So yeah, thought it was great. And I also loved the finish, the finish of uh uh Pac taking the the finisher orange cassidy getting the one two three or trying to get the one two three then uh kenny omega just flipping it over putting him on his shoulders kenny omega gets the one two three takes the belt says get the fuck out of here bye-bye motherfuckers bye-bye i loved it i thought it was just a great sneaky way of getting in getting out the belt collector spot was awesome the false finishes were great oh so much fun I will say they got me a couple times. I legit thought, oh, Orange Cassidy was winning the match. Yeah. Oh, my God. Some of those. I think it was when Kenny Omega. Or no, I think it was Pac hit his finisher on Kenny Omega. And then Orange Cassidy threw Pac out the ring and then was going to do the one, two, three. That spot, I think, if I remember that correct. Again, we don't fact check here. But that false finish got me. Like, I almost texted you like, what the fuck? But so much fun. Uh, for a match that I kind of thought was going to be a throwaway, they put all the effort into, applaud them 100%, loved it. Now let's move into the main event of Double or Nothing. It was the Stadium Stampede match, the inner circle taking on the pinnacle. Tim, I want your thoughts. What did you think of this? Interesting. I, I was wondering, you know, I think we 
talked about it on the show enough that like wh- where are they going to go with this they can't go comedy like they did before given this storyline it'll fall short so how do they get more serious which i think they did but they also had some kind of neat moments right they had uh, the chairman in the chair room right they had you know a couple little things like that 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 stuck out i think the rappelling down was a thing that you know eh, it just felt like they needed something to do if you will but they did something right to kind of make it a big event i like how MJF comes out and he's like, where's everybody at? Oh, come get me. Ha <laughs> ha, little switcheroo. So I, I think they did some fun things there. Um, boy, it, it will be hard maybe to stretch these out every year, right? To get enough yeah. folks. So I think maybe if you hold this for like a big time blow offs, not every year, you know, but I mean, hey, look, even if you force it, it's a media darling probably, right? You could be like, look, they had a fight in a football stadium. And then well, you got Urban Meyer being like. That's what I was going to say. They got their viral moment on ESPN and Fox Sports 1 and all of those things with Urban Meyer just showing up. And I think it was Charlie Strong throwing uh, footballs to Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho throwing that at uh, MJF. And then they use the computer over MJF's back. Uh, that was fine. And that's your moment, right? That's where you're going to get your. Mike Tyson type spots or, you know, whoever the celebrity is that you're trying to use. And so they did that well. And, you know, Urban Meyer, I think, played along decent. He didn't look out of out of place too much. I I agree with you, though. This is going to be hard to do every year. If we're going to say double or nothing is always going to be the stadium stampede match because we did comedy the first year and that was really good. We got more serious this year. But was still some comedy, right? Urban Meyer was in there, the chairman thing where he's sitting there uh, with all the chairs around him. That was fine too. But they, I will give them credit where I talked to you about this off air, I think, where I said, man, your first show with fans and your main event is going to be a pre-taped match, not in front of fans. They identified that and they brought the match to the ring. And so I thought that was good. And I also thought it was really interesting. Sammy Guevara picks up the victory here. He does the 630, you know, double inverted backflip, whatever the fuck it's called, you know, spot of the night. It's called that. Yeah, sure. On Sean Spears gets uh, gets the victory. Really cool storytelling there because he was the one that surrendered to the pinnacle when they're threatening to MJF was threatening to throw off Chris Jericho uh, from the cage. And then here he is picking up the victory. So thought that was some cool storytelling. Uh, what do you think yeah. of the finish? The the finish there, I th- I like all of what you're saying, right? And that it's Sammy, it centers around Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. So we get to move this on to Sammy somehow. However, and maybe it's because they didn't want to, you know, put MJF under at the moment. But the story there was he should have done what he did to Sean Spears to MJF. The whole story was MJF tried to get between them, tried to split them up. Sammy was always on to it. MJF almost accomplished it. Mm-hmm. Haha, now it's him. And and I, the only thing I can think is they didn't want MJF to look like he got because now he can go to Spears and be like, to you. Right. That's I think that's what they're going with is the hey, I didn't lose the match. It was Sean Spears who lost the match. The one criticism I will say about both stadium stampede matches that I want to see fixed if they're gonna continue to do this match is as much as this is in, in this example, pinnacle versus inner circle, where it's the tag team split off the big hosses split off the leaders split off. And then the future or whatever we're going to call that other, you know, spot split off. I need a little bit more. I want to see Wardlow fight Sammy Guevara. I want to see Jake Hager wrestle with, uh, you know, FTR one. I want to see MJF, uh, trying to beat up 
Ortiz. You know, I want a little bit more mixing than just, well, there goes Sammy and Sean, and there goes the tag. You know, I, a little bit more mixing if we're going to continue this feud because it feels a little bit like, really? That's the only guy you want to fight? This one. Like, there's there's a, there's others, but you don't care. You just want, okay. You know, that's right. that's the only thing I would say is let's fix that as we continue this feud. Yeah. So, Tim, that was Double or Nothing 2021. Overall, we kind of talked about the crowd brought the energy, but what do you think? Is this going to be a, a pay-per-view event of the year that we might talk about when we recap? It's the pay-per-view event of the pandemic for me. I know we're coming out of the pandemic, and maybe that's why, right? So mm -hmm. maybe, you know, it's the first one out, but it also felt like a homecoming. And I also thought, you know, I understand that they weren't able to sell out WrestleMania, but WrestleMania had a big audience as well. And I thought, you know, whether it's because a stadium is way bigger than this amphitheater, the the energy of Double or Nothing was off the charts compared to any other show that's had limited capacity or WrestleMania. So uh, excited to see what it looks like moving forward and if they can continue this momentum uh, into going on the road. Yeah, I, I'm super excited. Um to see where they come out of it. I mean, Dynamite was fun. Obviously, we didn't break too much of it down, but I don't know if you got anything kind of... Um... Well, so, yeah. We're, again, we're recording this on a Thursday night. They're doing another Friday night show because of right. the NBA playoffs, so, so we'll, a... we'll be talking about it on next week's episode. Uh, and then also, probably, I think they're going back to Wednesdays on next week. So we got yeah. two episodes of Dynamite to talk about, which will be fun. Um, but yeah. I'm excited. Got it. Yeah, got some. Then, you know, and here. like you said, dark and elevation don't necessarily cover any kind of new, new things or anything like that. So yeah, it, it's we're we're kind of left hanging, which is fun. Um, uh, I will say this. I was I was gonna uh, mention this as we're kind of wrapping up our double or nothing thoughts. I know that we talk about Double or Nothing as the future, and they do have a lot of future stars: MJF, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara. All of that's great. But man, they also got some really old veterans. This this pay-per-view kind of made me think about that a few different times with Sting and Dustin Rhodes and Christian Cage and Scorpio Sky's 38. So that's not a young chicken there. And Chris Jericho's 50. It's like, let's let's kind of move them to the side. Like, for example, in the Battle Royal, Matt Hardy was also in it too. I didn't need to see. Uh, I didn't need to see um, Dustin Rhodes in that battle royal. You know what I mean? That could have been Luchasaurus. That could have been uh, Sonny Kiss. That could have been uh, Dante from uh, Top Flight. That's where I'm like, hey, I get it. I love it. You know, we need veterans uh, uh, on the uh, roster. Let's move them a little oh, bit to the side. Speaking of veterans on the roster, Mark Henry. Yeah, so it was announced that he will be the commentator for Rampage on Friday nights on TNT, I believe. Uh, it's going to start on TNT. I think it's going to move to TBS. Oh, okay. Is that true? Gotcha. I don't know. I, Again, yeah. We don't fact check. Yep, of course. There it is. Okay, there yeah. it is. You guys, yeah. thank, thank you guys so much for the information. Yeah. No Tom, I can't even fucking do a podcast right without yeah, – I think I know their fucking schedule. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Uh, I'm not excited for Mark Henry. Going to be completely honest with you. Now, backstage – I've heard nothing but great things about how he is. I think he's the one that brought in Braun Strowman to the WWE. So from that aspect, thumbs up. Uh, from what I'm going to uh, consume him as is a commentator. I don't want to hear it. Uh, look, Paul White yeah. is fine, but he ain't blowing my, my socks off. And I don't think Mark Henry is either. So 
it wasn't but an earth shattering them, a moment for me. What I will say is that like we've discussed how maybe AW uh, has a lot of times where like the the folks kind of maybe don't dig into like some of the old school storytelling that we prefer and i think maybe right. those folks can help them with that especially some of the you know like some of the folks on working with some of the bigger men you know what i mean that they'll have mm -hmm. in aw that maybe some of these indie folks don't typically get to roll with so i mean i think that could help again behind the camera right behind the camera is where i think the paul whites mark henry's jim ross's are going to be doing amazing work and I think I will be reaping the benefits of that without knowing it was those type of talents that were helping the younger talents. But for example, like Jim Ross at the end of the Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida match was just like, that match made sense. And it was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Made sense. Like you're in character. Stop breaking kayfabe here. Like, and Paul White from from time to time on Elevation will be like, this grizzled young vet, jungle boy, this is where he needs to fire up and all this stuff. It's like, stop talking like you're not on TV, you know? <laughs> like, pay attention here. Uh, we're calling a match. We're not talking about, you know, criticisms. We're not doing uh, film review, you know what I'm saying? So, again, Mark Henry, excited for him in the sense that it's not some dork that's going to be calling uh, Rampage, but okay yeah okay yeah okay well then you know what i mean we can maybe have some fun and move on uh well have some fun well it may not be so fun but i want to shout out to the folks in the chat uh and anybody still viewing uh sticking with us through the uh technical issues everything froze then when i came back on and now it, it seems to whenever i switch to just me talking it's mute by default so who knows maybe you've heard half of what i've said today who the fuck knows we'll figure it out if you miss some check out the podcast later we'll get it resolved there but and we'll be back next week at full strength uh, but tom uh whew, big news big 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 news coming out of the wwe universe in there's a lot less of the wwe universe now man we have so much less of the WWE universe. So it was announced uh, that after the NXT cuts, there's more cuts. And who was released this time was Braun Strowman, mm. Aleister Black, yep. Buddy Murphy, Ruby Riot, Lana, and Santana Garrett. Now, some of those releases, I think, weren't necessarily shocking. And what I mean by that is, you know, someone like Santana Garrett has potential, but isn't being used. Alistair Black, even though they had someone uh, writing for him and they had a feud with Big E going, it still was kind of start and stop with him. So we don't know what happened there, right? But a main eventer like Braun Strowman, who beat Shane McMahon at WrestleMania this year and was in the title match for oh, he was the, backlash he was the this year for bullied kids when he beat shane mcmahon yeah and he was one of the guys that were like hey we're excited to get back on the road wwe coming to a town near you he was one of those guys that was were doing those promos he was the most shocking of the releases the other guys and girls i think again i didn't like that anyone lost their job but i wasn't shocked of those people but I definitely was shocked about Braun Strowman. So it's being reported, if you pay attention to Fightful Select or any of those Wrestling Observer type of uh, reports, 
that Braun Strowman mess was cut because of budget reasons because he re-signed a couple years ago at a pretty hefty price and essentially they kind of didn't have anything else for him as as far as like seeing him as a star and so they're like well he's ran his course we'll see if he comes back what do you think about that do you think we see a drew mcintyre type of he goes away becomes a star comes back and now he's you know main eventing again could possibly i mean look there's you would think there's money in braun Strowman, right i mean you would think it's there but maybe they don't see it. Hell if I, I don't know. I mean, and maybe they just didn't know how to use it. I will say that he could use an indie scene or somewhere else. I think he understands what pro wrestling is supposed to be and how he's supposed to do it, but doesn't quite get it. If that makes sense. If I can, you know, well, he's a WWE product, right? He was a, he was a power lifter who then just went into the WWE system. But like, so let's say I'm trying to teach you a concept of something and you can understand everything I've said to you and you go, okay, I, I, if I do this, I get this. If I do this, I get this. But it still doesn't register. It still doesn't, you still don't get it uh-huh. until you see something and think of it a different way. Or somebody says one offhand comment and you go, oh, so like sometimes you can understand, but you don't personally get it. Right. Like, and mm-hmm. I think he's at that stage where like he still has the promo like this because he doesn't quite get it yet to just look, you already appear that way you already appear menacing you already appear booming you don't have to force it as the caricature when you naturally feel it and turn it up it will it will come across the way you're wanting but now it feels forced and just not real and some of that's writing but some of it was also the way he's hitting the writing so Mm -hmm. i think he could use uh he doesn't know what wrestling is he knows what wwe is yeah that's what i was getting at and that's really well said by you because now it'll be interesting when he does have to go on the indie scene, whatever that looks like for him. And they say, okay, Braun, what's the match tonight? And he goes, wait a minute. What? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the match? Well, fuck. I don't know. Someone usually tells me that. What do you Nobody don't have it? These hands. Yeah. You know, like, is that Look, what we're oh, going to get from him? Can't say that, Braun. That's a trademark. And we go, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah. I mean, look, that's not to this. Obviously we don't know this guy and maybe he's got some fresh ideas. possibly but that's where we're gonna see that's what that's what i mean is we're gonna find out there is only one answer for this and god damn it if they do not do this tom tom if they don't do this tom the only answer is i know we said nobody on AEW, but you Mm -hmm. know behind the camera Mm -hmm. but have him be the the fiend if you will to John Silver. Have him be Johnny Hungy. Whenever Johnny Hungy gets mad, like an Incredible Hulk style gimmick, like he rips out of his and then there's Braun. Everybody's like, oh, fuck! And they go running out of the room and he's tearing stuff up. And then, you know, think of the Snicker sponsorships, right? And then they give it back to him and it's little Johnny, John Silver back in there. And everybody's like, dude, you almost lost it there. You almost killed seven or whatever the fuck their names are, right? Yeah. Their name numbers. I like that idea. I don't know if that's a character that we should be going with long term, but yes, that would be a fun way to introduce Braun Strowman in AEW. I think, honestly, I heard it on Busted Open Radio. Uh, Billy Corbin uh, was talking to to the guys on that podcast, and he said, hey, a, a fit in, in NWA would be great for Braun Strowman. And I mean, come Ooh, on. It's actually not bad, and I think there's a lot of the old school guys there with that same 
here's how to work with your size mentality, folks. It's yeah. actually not bad. It's Nick Aldis and Braun Strowman, Trevor Murdoch, Braun Strowman. Uh, you could do some homicide. Uh, excuse me, not homicide. Hernandez. Got no and, days off. You know, used to be Darren Young over there. Yeah, you got Hernandez over there too. Braun Strowman and picture Braun Strowman in that small studio environment too. How much bigger will he look when he's in a smaller uh, viewing capacity? So I think actually NWA would be perfect for him. We'll see if that happens. I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. I think we will see him potentially. This is what I think with Braun Strowman as we kind of break down the rest of what we think and predict because it's fun because that's what us gas bags do. Uh, I think he either does a promotion like Impact or NWA or, and I would not be shocked, we never see him again. I would not be shocked if he yeah, said- if he just goes and does movies and shit. And- yeah. Guess what? I was a stuntman on a Will Ferrell movie. I got connections there. That's what I'm doing. You know, or he's the big guy and all the action. He calls Batista and gets some plugs in or whatever, like, and doesn't have to do the thing. Look, he's, again, he's money. If you can't, as some sort of promoter or some sort of producer of something, make money off of a guy his size, you don't deserve to be in that business. Right. And, and so I would not be shocked if we might see Braun Strowman on a reunion show or, you know, come up as a one spot in WWE. But I would not be shocked if we don't ever see Braun Strowman on a regular basis on a pro wrestling show. But I would hope, as being a selfish pro wrestling fan, we do see him. Again, I think perfect spot for him, NWA. So, now let's talk about the other guys. Aleister Black. What do you think about this? He had a shirt pre-ordered on WWShop.com at the time of his release. What do you make of this release here? I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to do his type of character and work better anywhere else than wwe that isn't nxt mm-hmm. um but you know uh you know you think- uh, like I, I don't know where i i mean i don't want him in AEW, right i don't think nope. and so again we're talking the impact probably before nwa or like an roh or maybe new japan or something but I think a, I think New Japan would be a perfect fit. I think the great Muda, those type of dark characters where Tommy N, which will he, which is what he will go by again. I think he would be a great fit with the kicking style as well as far as in ring, uh, the look. I think perfect over there in, in New Japan for Tommy N or Ring of Honor. I think Ring of Honor would look good there uh, yeah. for him as well. Dak Draper. I mean, look at the contrast right there. The all-American uh, hunk, Dak Draper, Tommy in the, you know, Raven. It could be your new uh, Raven and Tommy Dreamer in Ring of Honor. You could also put them there with the, the violence unlimited with Brody King and Homicide and Chris Dickinson and all those guys. I think Tommy in in either Ring of Honor or New Japan would be great. My question to you, though, is do you think Tommy in and Zelina Vega, which I do not know what her... Uh, you know, name will be. Yeah. Do you think they're a package deal? I, I mean, I don't know that they're a package deal. I mean, I, you know what I mean? I think she's going to be valuable anywhere. I think she was also somewhat underutilized, especially if she was garnering another online presence of fame. Like WWE sure. is, WWE is weird about that, man. They keep saying like, uh, they keep saying uh, like, we, we want to control what you guys are doing out there because we think we should make money off of it because it's some of our names and likenesses. But yet you're not facilitating that when you're telling them you're not allowed to have it unless it's us. Like, Because what made it real and honest was them just doing it. You're not yeah. giving them the free reign they need. 
and it's just weird. It, it, you can't say you want something but not do what is needed to get there. I agree. I And I also, if Tommy End is going to be Tommy End, which is similar to Aleister Black, I don't know how Zelina Vega fits in with that, you know, because her character was very glamour and glitz and I got money and, you know, Andrade is the shit and we take over the world. I don't know how she would translate to tortured soul or, you know, uh, evil, maniacal heel manager. So it'd be interesting. Now they might go separate ways, but be in the same company. You know, Zelina might just be in the women's division as Zelina and away from Tommy end on the, on the screen, but it'll be interesting to see where they go. Now, speaking of on air couples that we might be seeing reunited, Lana got released. I think this is AW is perfect for her. Yeah. I mean, look, that's probably going to happen. That's the, probably the one that's going to happen. It also is not necessarily out of place. I just, I also don't think they'll be quick to like, get her in the ring and have her wrestle like like WWE seemed to want to do, which is fine if she wants to do it, but it looked like she was still taking some time to get there. Yeah, and I think, but I already think that there's a ready-made story for Lana, or if she goes by CJ Perry, I think her name is, uh, in AEW, Miro, once Kip Sabian is back, Miro starts picking on Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford steps to Miro, and then guess who steps to Penelope Ford? cj perry and then you can do a mixed tag team match of miro and cj perry versus kip sabian and penelope ford that's a ready-made pay-per-view you know second on the card type of match you got there i i think that's the perfect spot for along with the iconics i know we didn't really talk about their release uh, a couple weeks ago but a tag a women's tag team division in AEW, i think would be welcomed and the iconics being the the pillar of that division would be great for them as well. Again, not too excited about all these in front of the camera AEW hires, but those three, the Iconics and CJ or Lana, I think would be perfect. Yeah. Now let's go to Murphy. Buddy Murphy got released. Where do you think he goes? What do you think about him? What's next for, for old Buddy? I think Buddy Murphy showed some times where we're like, yeah, he's not bad. Like he's, I think, slightly above average in some aspects of like, you know, his mic work and his ability to kind of tell that character and stuff. Um, I just don't know. Again, I don't think he's anything that's going to make me feel like he's going to catch fire in AW or even something like a ROH or Impact. I just don't know that he's, you know, but hey, look, he's going to give instant credibility if he shows up in one of those places. So I think he's another, not? yeah, I think he's another guy that, uh, New Japan or AAA, that fast, high-paced style, I think would fit perfect for him. And he looks like a million dollars, so either of those promotions would look better with him on the poster. So I would see one of those two uh, being a good fit for him, but we shall see. Uh, then next up on this list of people who recently got released, Ruby Riot. Where do you think she's going to go? What do you think's next for her? Oh, that's one that maybe wouldn't be terrible in AEW, given the women's division isn't necessarily like a whole bunch of names, I feel like. And we never did, I feel, get the real Heidi Lovelace character, mm -hmm. you know, or full potential. So that's what I also wouldn't balk at, I don't think, in an AEW. Um, but again, the other big options that we keep referencing, like MLW's, ROH's, Impact, I think would also benefit from having her. It would benefit from anybody they're releasing here. Um, so I just, you know, if we're got under the idea of like a one and a two, like would AEW take them? I, I, I mean, I don't think that one would hurt right. as much as anything else. 
Yeah. I, again, I don't really pay attention too much to the dirt sheets, but I believe... I think she's dating or married to Jake something who's in impact. So I think going to impact would be a good fit. Uh, Also in that women's division, uh, you know, she could add some more credibility to uh, the the women's champ over there. Uh, Diana Perazzi, I think her name is. Uh, She's a former WWE uh, wrestler as well. Perazzi, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, she's good. I can't remember her name off the top of my head because we don't fact check. Good women wrestlers. I mean, they've got a lot of, you know, uh, folks that can do a lot of different styles even. Like, it's a varied roster. If you ever give them, you know, a look over, like, they're not, you know, cookie cutter over there by any means. So, yeah, it could be fun over there. Yeah, that's where I think she would fit well. Um, But now let's get – and then we got Santana Garrett. I honestly don't know too much about Santana Garrett. I think she was an impact before. So maybe she goes back there. I don't really know too much about her. That's just because there's a ton of wrestlers to keep track on, and I have other interests, so I can't just be 100% on knowing where everyone is. Well, you son of a bitch. Oh, my God. I have other interests? (laughs) Uh, Let's get into, though, the bigger question here. So those people were released. They were told, as Tommy N went on Twitch, I believe it was, and said it was because of budget cuts. It's rumored that that was also the reason why Braun Strowman was cut. Now, we're making a lot of cuts. Typically, when you make cuts and you consolidate in the business world, that means you're putting your business up for sale. So, Tim, the billion-dollar question, probably multi-billion-dollar question is, is WWE up for sale? And if so, who's buying? I um, I hope not. I honestly feel like it's the death nail if they do. I feel they'll be WCW in 10 years, and they'll be gone the moment they get a big ratings dip and something's not going right. There's not the family urge there. Now, I don't know how they'll structure it and who will be in charge. I mean, obviously, big companies own a lot of companies, but I just... I, It'll feel weird. It'll feel like McMahon literally took his dad and their generation's way of doing something. Said, "Look, I I envision this bigger, better, whatever." And then you're not even gonna like turn around and like give it to your kids to carry on. You're gonna sell it off to somebody. Like I understand your kids are gonna be set. And they're gonna make a lot of fucking money, but like, and maybe they'll have a job for now. But what happens when you're dead? And you're no longer owner. You know what I mean? Like I I don't. It, it feels it feels like the wrong thing to do. It just feels like the wrong thing to do, and I'm not even a part of the deal. I don't own any stock. I don't own the company. You know what I mean? Like, none of that. Well. I'm a pure outsider, but, like, it just feels like the wrong thing to do. It just feels wrong. Yeah, it feels like a very uh, boomer thing to do to say, God like, damn, for thanks. fuck's sake. Yeah. yeah thanks, previous generation. That was really nice. Hey, you know what? I got some good ideas. Hey, guy, you sure do. That's awesome. Hey, now I'm just going to keep it for myself. Fuck everyone else. That's a very boomer thing to do. Wouldn't be shocked. I hope they don't sell either. I think it would be a bad move because pro wrestling, as we know, and as people listening and watching know, is a very odd entertainment source, interest, niche topic to talk about. It's completely different than everything else. Half the fuck, half the people we were talking about still think it's a goddamn sport. The other half are right and don't think it's a sport. Like that's a contentious point. And that's just one thing of what this is, right? We can't even agree 100% on what this is. So to have some outside source like Comcast or uh, Disney or whoever it is own that, I don't think that they would know the first thing to do. Now, 
I do think maybe, because remember, this is a publicly traded company. I think maybe some of these cuts aren't necessarily to sell. It's to say, hey, shareholders, your your uh, shares are in good hands here. So somebody brought up there, uh, I saw that they could be consolidating assets to acquire something as well. Um. I wonder what that would be. What, what? Well, you know, they're doing a deal within JPW. Maybe they acquire their U.S. thing for TV rights or something, or who knows? You know what I mean? Like, they could be doing all sorts of deals, right? So selling is an option. Selling more rights of certain things is an option without necessarily selling the company. There's all kinds of things they could be doing that we don't know about. I did read an article that they, a lot of these hires, they envision themselves more making a jump. And comic fans, hop in, chat. Yeah. Tweet tables on Twitter. We don't know. But apparently Marvel was a fledgling brand a couple decades ago and has turned into theme parks, movies. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it is synonymous with pop culture in many respects. And they view themselves in a similar position that they could explode bigger in that kind of realm. And they might not be wrong. So, you know what I mean? This could be for some reasons of that nature. Um, but, you know, they've hired some big name executives out of the sports media world recently. And then Nick Khan also. And so, I mean, it could be not selling and more of a, hey, we're in, we're venturing into kind of new territory that any other wrestling company does. Because they've done everything wrestling companies right. do, yeah. right? Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, that is that is an idea that um, definitely could take uh, some momentum and, and really get people excited. Because, you know, they're doing this A&E show where they're trying to get all the – greatest treasures of wrestling history or WWE history and maybe potentially putting a museum out. So obviously that's going to take resources and time and people. So maybe that is what we're doing here is we're saying we're trimming all the fat. We're going to get back on the road. We're going to take all those profits. We're going to take those profits. We're going to invest into museums. And if we do a WWE theme park in Orlando in conjunction with full sale and things like that, that could be interesting. I would actually like that. The other thing I will mention, though, is... I'd go on the Undertaker roller coaster. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Oh, oh you're in a little one, right? graveyard. Roller coaster. Yeah, like the... Uh, they have one of those rides at Disney. But yeah, like uh, you're in a little graveyard and you're going around. Ghosts are hitting you and stuff. Mankind comes running at you. Uh, that would be great. Man, or the cane hits the fire. That's how it starts. That'd be fun. Uh, man, I could actually make that ride. Anyhow, um, the other thing that I will mention uh, about all these cuts is... I don't necessarily disagree with any of them. And what I mean by that is Braun Strowman did everything and they treated him like the sideshow and he was doing matches with Shane McMahon. Yeah. That doesn't scream probably, future. Outside of Braun Strowman, probably have made those cuts. It, like if you hired me on. And said have to cut person, some people. I would have cut all of those people in that list. And Braun would have been one I would have been like, it, again, that would have been a money decision probably. Because I would have been like, look, I could probably get it, but if if I'm handcuffed on booking and, and how we're going to write it and shit like that, then cut him because he's not worth the money. You know what I mean? That kind of well, thing. I will say, uh, actually, I wouldn't have cut the Iconics. I wouldn't have broken them up first off, oh, but I would have kept the Iconics as yes, a tag team. Yeah, forgot but, about them. Yeah, other than right. that, yeah, all of these moves kind of feel like, hey, the writing team or whoever it is either took the chance and said, we ain't got nothing here in Alistair Black's case, or we've done everything we can in Braun Strowman's case. And not to be a dickhead. I don't want to be the like the 
the podcast host who comes on and he shit talks to, you know I mean, to have a hot take. But another reason they'll make these cuts, and again, I don't think they're wrong, is none of these people are going to show up on AEW and a whole bunch of WWE only fans who maybe not even heard of AEW are going to go, oh my God, I got to start watching that and I'm going to stop watching WWE now. Like yeah. none of them, not Braun especially, none of them. So yeah. it just is what it is. Like they can afford to cut those people because look, even if they go and become somebody that's a huge star that we'll have to pay more when we get them back, at least they'll probably be worth more value when we mm-hmm. pay them more to get them back. So it's not wrong. I mean, I, I look, we can talk all we want about like workers' rights, abilities to, to, you know, have social safety nets and whatnot. And if somebody's complaining about that, and all I can say is I urge you to go get involved in your electoral politics and your activist communities in your community is the only way you're going to fix those sorts of things. But it is what it is now, and it sucks, and WWE can do that, and they are making a smart business decision in that aspect if they're not going to book in a better way that maybe Tom and I could or some other right. fans, you know, but yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to that point of being scared that one of these talents goes over to AEW and makes this huge splash, I think they went through the biggest potential big splash move and they came out on, came out okay. When John Moxley appeared in, on AEW, that was a huge hit. That was a major star. And WWE still making money. So I think they're like, okay, look, we, we survived. We're still doing well. We're still number one. So maybe it's short-sighted too. Maybe if you do a couple of these, then everyone tunes over to AEW. But for the meantime, they're like, hey, John Moxley or, you know, Dean Ambrose went over there. We're still making money. So fucking have Braun Strowman be, you know, a big strong man and he can be over there too. You know, we'll be fine. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So then let's discuss a little bit of, I mean, look, nothing, when we're on the WWE side of things here, nothing too crazy sort of happened, right? Uh, I mean, look, SmackDown came and went, and I I mean, the Uso saga continues. I don't think anything big happened there, right? I I am excited. I will say, I am excited, and I wish it wasn't just for this week kind of episode, and I hope that there's maybe a story that we start to tell, but I think it's kind of cool to see, to see a tag team match of a father and son versus two brothers. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. That, that, that's interesting to me. Cause you know, it's like oh, a sure. brother's bond is, you know, never stronger. It's like, well, uh, we're a father well, and son. Usos versus street profits was a good promo. Oh, show fantastic. Yeah. And match was great. And I, I mean, I'm happy that the Usos are back. Uh, well, are they? Well, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are they? Uh, yeah. But I mean, God, they. I forgot how good. They're the best tag team in the world. Yes. Yes. Look, I get. I look. I love AEW more than anything in the world right now. It's my favorite wrestling promotion since ECW. But the Young Bucks are not the best tag team in the world. It is the Usos. I am making a hot take here because I do believe this one. Right. Right. If you told me, hey. Out of the last, you know, year, year to two years, you all day long you're gonna have to sit here and watch random matches, right? Random wrestling matches all day long. Can't get up, can't leave, gotta watch them. And your options are: you pick random young buck matches, or y- random matches from the WWE women's division. I'm picking women's division. Ah, uh, take right. it, take it. That's a hot division left and right. That's a Fuck the team. Young Bucks. They suck. They are nowhere <laughs> near the best tag team in the world. They're it's good. The I will it's say the they're Usos. good, but 
The Usos, I think, are the best. Because what I was going to say is, if you even include Usos promos, the Usos promos are believable and intriguing and captivating. The whole gamut of what a pro wrestler is. And fun. Yeah, I think they're the best pro wrestling Back on the Young Bucks. You know, we talked... (laughs) (laughs) Fuck them. We talked (laughs) about the Young Bucks and how... They're mimicking. They're pretty, like you know. So they did the the, the shield. shield thing, uh-huh. and they did the fucking Macho Man things, and they did the fucking struts, and they do whatever. They always mimic something, but like, cool. But it just sinks it in further. Like, what would you do to do it back? There's no, like the Young Bucks aren't anything but that. Like that's the only thing I can think of, right? Like let's touch fucking fists over here in the air. Like that's it. There is nothing else because that's what they do. That's who they are. They're trolls. They're trolls. Yes. But going back to the Usos, I think the Usos versus the Mysterios has some legs to it as far as a storyline perspective goes. But I don't think that that's the storyline we're getting. We're getting the Roman doesn't like that the Usos are getting more attention than him. And I think that's where we're going. But I'm, I'm very interested to see Usos versus Mysterios on SmackDown tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, hey Nakamura with this new guy. What is it, Rick Boog? Like, oh yeah, with the guitar. Why didn't we release uh, Elias and just keep this guy and have him be Nakamura's dude? That's fun. Yeah, and what isn't there a racist still on WWE? Uh, who was Elias's guy that he broke yeah. up with on? Well, uh, I don't know. That he was Raw. a racist guy. So he said some like Trump thing, and people were like, "Bro, are you in character?" Because like. Bro, you know what I mean? And Let's he was get like, him out of here. Uh, yeah. Let's get him out. Gunner. Uh, Whatever the sure. fuck his name is now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Gunner. Gunner, yeah. But I like this guy. Riker, Jackson Riker. There it is. Uh, I like this guy, though, with Nakamura. Going back to SmackDown and Nakamura. And I like Nakamura being the fucking weirdo again. Let's make him weird. Nakamura is the best when he's a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get him going, man. Hey, on the raw side of things. Miz was not eaten by zombies or was what the fuck it's so maddening the guy was eaten by zombies and now he's just interviewing people for an unassociated feud you could have put anybody in an interview segment anybody anybody Johnny Drip Drip could have been attempting to pull Miz TV off. By himself. By himself. Drip TV. Would have Not been a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I don't look, this is again where we just say, hey, let's keep the Let's keep the train moving. Fuck that shit behind us. We're not talking about it. Let's keep our eyes forward. It's so stupid. And then, okay, they also, WWE has been categorically against this men on women violence thing for a whole long time. We see Nia Jax finally come and do some things, and now they break the intergender wrestling barrier with Shayna Baszler and fucking Reginald. What in the fuck are we doing? I don't know. Why would you, like, you could have set up so many matches that would have been a fucking, oh my God, first intergender match ever. And, and maybe they were trying to test the waters. And they were like, ah, maybe it's a throwaway thing. We can be like, ah, like, it was a fucking You know, we fired that guy. Fuck him. You know what I mean? So maybe, but like, why didn't you do that on fucking main event? Like, I don't, goddamn. 
I don't know. I don't it know. It doesn't make and, any sense. No, so like this, Red. first of all, Reginald's entire existence in the WWE universe makes a little to no sense. But like, that's who we break the intergender wrestling barrier with? Yeah, I don't. And Shayna Baszler, remember all the momentum oh. Shayna Baszler had? The NXT Women's Champion choking out everyone. Wasn't it last year, maybe two years ago at the Elimination Chamber, when she just beat all of the women going into her match with Becky Lynch at WrestleMania? She just beat all of the women, and now she's getting spooked by Alexa Bliss's doll. She cut a promo. Here's what's even more offensive than the Shayna Baszler versus Reginald match is afterwards, she cuts a promo on a doll. Yeah, which... What the okay, fuck is that? That's, if that's how we're setting up Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler, fine. I mean, I could be into that. If Shayna Baszler's, like, getting away from Nia Jax and getting away from Reginald and all that shit, and she's just going to be... If we're going to get her back to where she was, great. But you don't do that here. This isn't the first feud, right? Like, I you just... have her be untouchable, and then... You know what I mean? Like, then Alexa Bliss is like, oh, but I know somebody who still wants to play, right? Because she, she, that's it. She starts running through people. She's fucking putting elbows through teeth. She's stomping mud holes. She's giving them the fucking ovarian delight. She's fucking this, that, right? How's, How's your, your mother? mother? Right. <laughs> All of those things. And runs through them, runs through them, runs through them, runs through them, right? We may keep her away from the title for a while, right? Because you're going to do that. But then, like, she's out here and she's like, I see what's going on. Like, everybody's scared of me. Nobody wants to play with me anymore. And then, boom, lights go out, swing set. I know somebody wants to play because I'm fucking crazy. And then boom. But no, just nope. show just, up and be like, you're a fucking doll. Like, or whatever yeah. the fuck she said. Just wrestle Reginald, then go right into talking to the doll and then get right into a feud with Alexa Bliss where you're going to lose because we have to have Alexa Bliss be the creepy, scary one and might as well take out the coolest fucking woman on the roster. The most badass, I'll say. The most badass woman on the roster. It's offensive. I love Shayna Baszler. Ask for your release, Shayna. Go over to AEW. God. Yeah, that's another one that wouldn't hurt over there. Yeah. Even go back to NXT for all I give a shit. Like, I just don't like this is bad. Whatever you're doing here. It's horrible. Like, whatever you're doing here. Uh, speaking of NXT, uh, the, you know, the biggest thing here is, you know, Cole inserted himself in this big, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, and I like that as far as him saying, like, smell my dick. I'm back in this bitch. Don't everyone better. Like, yeah. Everyone. Contender when I'm around. Right. And I like that. However, you did the whole match with three of them and he just interrupts and just says, fuck it. And then, you know how many singles victories he has this year in 2021? Fucking zero. And he's already just going to wrestle for the championship. He gets in the four way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The booking in, in WWE universe has always been suspect. For you that. know, I remember us talking about how like wins and losses for AEW is going to be weird because it, it's going to be hard and doesn't make sense. And I understand the rankings. It's like, all of a sudden we have a feud and they're the number one guy. And that makes sense. Or that, you know, is something you could point out, but you do need to have some victories to then just be like, Oh, you're just the title challenger now? Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. That's just that. Eh. Another thing I watched, wrestling related, and I don't know if you got a, can't, a chance to see it yet, but the A&E biography of Mick Foley. I haven't seen is, that one yet. It's probably the best one they've done. Okay. It's fucking good. It, so it starts with him speaking as though he's writing his biography, right? And then it ends that kind of same way, like sandwiches it, and in between they go about 
the story and and all of his things. And there's some stuff that I don't think we've heard yet. I mean, we've heard a lot. No, we've heard about a the lot. Fully box story, yeah. story, a whole lot. But there's been there was interesting nuggets. There was extra footage of the stuff we've seen. We've seen little snippets of that footage. He's mm-hmm. got so much more. So those like those like young high school days where he's uh-huh. all like pretend to be a wrestler. So yeah. much more and some of his personal friends there and stuff like it's really cool it's a good one i can't highly suggest that enough if you want to watch pro wrestling.com you can maybe see it there okay uh, you know what i mean uh, all yeah. right yeah i will say uh so far though i haven't seen the the mick foley one not been impressed yeah, with the I agree. biographies I agree, the stone cold one... one was very uh high level isn't he great man he was troubled for a little bit and paranoid yeah. and now he's back on a good terms uh, the the macho man was god awful. That was a yeah. hit job of just bullshit. And then I haven't seen uh, what was it? Oh, the warrior one was stupid too. I didn't like that yeah. one either. But I'll I, check I out the Mick Foley. One. But yeah, the Mick Foley one I can't highly recommend. Okay, it, or, or more Good. highly recommend it. Now, all right, we've said all we're gonna say, right? And sometimes uh, we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the questions, and so we turn to you, the fans. We've been doing that through the chat here, the Domo guy. Uh, Is it Eriku? Eriku? Yeah. I like him. Eric K. Or her. The Domo guy? Yeah. Guy, right? Well, you know, could be your last name. Our chat friend. That's what we're going to call you. Our chat friend. Chat friend. Uh, (laughs) Our chat friends. We like our chat friends. Uh, They've been doing that, but another way you can do it when we're not live and we're not streaming to your face Minus the technical difficulties, of course. It happens. Um, uh, you can go on Twitter. We're at Table Show. He's at TMAC underscore 816. I'm at The Awesome Voice. Did I get that right? And we're at Table Show, but you use hashtag Tweet the Table. And while you're doing that, you can share your any wrestling thought, your any question, your whatever. And we're going to read them right here live on the show. And I picked out some of the best, Tom, right here. Tom, are you ready? I'm ready. Ah, Theo75 says, are the Young Bucks still blocking TMAC? <laughs> Hashtag double or nothing. Hashtag tweet the table. Ooh, Tom, I think they are. You, you yeah. looked it up, right? Yeah, they still have me blocked. So because it was it was one of them at first, wasn't it? It was Matt. Matt Jackson first, then Nick joined, uh, and then Kevin Owens joined on top of that because they're friends, and then JBL for whatever reason blocked me too. So those are four I definitely know that still have me blocked. For good, fuck the Young Bucks. I don't need to like them. Kevin what? Owens, though. That sucks. Yeah, I know. That sucks. I like Kevin Owens, and he's friends with them. The Mount Rushmore with Adam Cole and the Young Bucks and him. I get it. All that. But um, what the fuck am I going to get from a Young Bucks Twitter thing? A new bio? New bio? Oh, Eddie Kingston's a dork. New bio, John Moxley had pink hair. Yeah, you're not the missing much. Up. Yeah, not, not missing anything. Much. Oh, hey, new bio, I got new uh, shoes. Look, I spent money on shoes. I got out of here. Give a shit about them. Well, the Young Bucks are definitely not legendary, but you know who is? Who is legendary? Our good pal, at Living Legend 148 on Twitter. He says, I can't remember when I last listened to a podcast but right now i'm downloading table show this will be a novelty let's see what these guys have to say in 2021 hashtag tweet the table oh and today's news of releases sucks balls yeah what he's referring to there is what we'll have to say in 2021 is because for new listeners we have been doing this show for a little bit of time about seven years uh and living legend is a long time listener uh and now we're live we do it on youtube he said you know he doesn't have time to look at our faces of course but it happens i get it you know, hey guess yeah. what though still saying the same shit still saying that same old shit still talking shit yeah. <laughs> still talking that talk spraying shit everywhere Come on. Just, uh, mm, 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 mm. yeah and the news did i mean look i think the news was a shocker i don't know that it sucks balls right i'm kind of like yeah 
We've talked about this. Trim the fat. I don't care that I'll ever see another Braun Strowman segment ever again until he does something cooler elsewhere. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And and if they're just going to make him have silly storylines where he's tagging with a 10-year-old or feuding with Shane McMahon, I bet he doesn't like that. So have him do something more fun where he's, you know, toppling a semi-truck on a big cast or something in Impact. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All right. We talked about this potential sale of the WWE, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think some names that have come around, right, have been, uh, you know, Disney, right? They own ESPN, so they could use their over-the-top service. Comcast owns NBC. We already have the network on the Peacock, right? Could this have already been a move in progress? Uh, things like that. Fox. Uh, but we got a suggestion. Yeah, Fox. We got a suggestion, however, that I had not thought of. And we had not thought of because we're old, Tom. We are and It old. brings a couple other options to mind. But at Devil Vamp says, Disney seems like the most obvious choice, but with all the deals, I am thinking Amazon. They have very little live content. Hashtag tweet the table. So, yeah, we could be discussing things like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu could be at play here. And if Jeff Bezos owns WWE, I think I'm officially checked out. Yep. I think I'm done. Yeah. Just, that I just think I'm done at that point. I don't – You, if you own that too, you own everything, and I don't want – I'm done helping. And I don't – yeah, Amazon – Amazon also – and this is why they might get – WWE is because Amazon isn't a destination place, at least in my view. I don't, I don't go home and say I got to get on like Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah. yeah, I don't. There's a few shows on there I will admit that. Are yeah, on there but, that uh, are, but it's here and there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it's not Netflix, right? Right. Netflix and Chill is a pop culture lexicon. You know what I mean? Uh, Amazon Prime and Cuddle isn't. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it would make sense that they would want to go after WWE for that reason, but. I've never been satisfied or happy with anything Amazon's done. I don't buy things from Amazon. I don't like the way they treat their workers. I don't like little, Amazon Prime. I don't like Jeff Bezos. I don't like anything about it. Little Amazon and how's your mom? All right. So, <laughs> I don't even know what that fucking means. All right. So, but hold on, hold on. Before yeah. we go into that, if they do sell, mm. you're in charge. You're the you're the decision maker. WWE is going to sell. Who are they going to set? Like, who's buying them? You you get the, to make the decision. You go with it. Who who who's buying them? I th I you know what I mean. Like, if I have my choice of who I'm selling to, who I think would best represent the product, I think I'd almost go with NBC because I think they've got it the longest. Right? They've understood kind of what wrestling is and WWE is. Um, but you know who I'm going with? Hmm. I'm going Fox. And why I'm going Fox is I think you can get more exposure because they're in other avenues. Like they have NASCAR, they have bowling, they have football, they have um, uh, other, you know, TV show, pop culture TV. You could put them in cartoons and family guy. You know what I mean? Like you could put enough of the WWE universe and all of their other shows and content that I think it would be a better fit for me as the viewer, I don't know about the financials. I don't care about that. But like as the viewer, seeing them interact with other Fox properties would be cool. Yeah. Having them on, having Miz on first take uh, debating Skip Bayless about the Cleveland Browns. Like that would be fun. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah. Well, all right. What else is fun is that, you know, uh, tweet the tables are fun. And we encourage all of you to play along like these folks did and some others did. And, you know, we'll, we'll respond. We'll read them live here. 
uh, and you'll meet some folks and fun will be had by all. But sometimes you can't be so concise. You got too much to say and you got to get more out. And that's where we also have a solution for you because we're old guys. You can send us an email to tableshow at gmail.com. It's super easy. And we've got one of those as well coming from Ash, our good buddy Ash, another longtime listener. Yeah, he good to hear from uh, him. Pulled us back up. He said, what up, bitches? Well, it's a little aggressive, but thanks. I've been he called says, worse. He says, yeah, wait, you see what I call you later. I have some shit to say, and most of it is negative, so let me get some positive shit in first real quick. Double or nothing was great. Mm-hmm. Cage and Page's opening match was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Britt Baker going over was the best call. Mm-hmm. The triple threat was great. Mm-hmm. Battle Royal was great. Stadium Stampede was good for what uh, it was. Mm-hmm. Well, it was worth a watch. Yeah. Okay, now, WWE has pissed me off with these releases. It's not just the disposing of such prominent characters, such as Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe earlier. It's not just removing such talents like Aleister Black and Ruby Riot. It's the fact that they keep hoarding talents like these guys and then keep misusing them for years and just toss them aside to save some money. It's bullshit. It always has been, and it's unfair to the talent that worked for years, sometimes decades, for an opportunity. Some of the firings are weird. Braun Strowman was a main eventer and one of his, and uh, uh, was a main eventer on his best day, and could drive storylines. It was super entertaining. He was he was uh, a, drive storylines. He just main evented the last pay per view for fuck's sake. Aleister Black and Murphy had great matches with each other, and mm-hmm. other wrestlers consistently uh, 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 turn the shit that was given them into steak, and boom, they're gone. They never did anything with Ruby, but she could have easily been just as meaningful as the horsewomen, and they never even tried. The only positive thing is that the business right now has tons of other places to work, so they'll soon prove themselves to be the stars they should have been. Look at Moxley and Miro. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to get high. Peace. I mean, I could argue Miro's in a less prominent spot. Yeah, but now he's in a more, uh, his trajectory is higher than it's ever been. Yeah. Since since the I'm in a yeah. tank taken on John Cena at WrestleMania. He could get a world title run here, although I don't think he was necessarily too far off from ever being considered for that also in WWE. You know what I mean? Like Well, I, I towards think, the end though, that's when he was doing the yeah. the marriage thing and he was a sideshow and just getting yeah, made true. fun of. I think I think his future is brighter now in AEW yeah. than it was at the end of WWE. And I get what Ash is saying here, right? Like Okay, so you robbed these folks of their chance to go grow elsewhere by just hoarding them, probably in an idea that you were going to hoard them to keep them away from growing elsewhere. But, like, also sometimes it takes that, like, like I don't know that John Moxley would have became the John Moxley he is today without the Dean Ambrose experience. You know what I mean? Like, obviously he was on, he was John Moxley and he was on a yeah. trajectory. But, like, having that experience also put him in front of a lot more people's faces to say, this guy's fucking cool. And should be something that he wouldn't have otherwise been to. So when he would have showed up on AEW, he wouldn't have been the explosive, like, oh, my God, fucking John Moxley is here. It would have been like, Leo Rush is here also. Yeah. I, I think Leo what Rush he, also went to see, but you know what I mean. Right. But I, what, what I think he's getting at, and at least this is what I took from what he was saying, is, uh, is you know, the last two years, Aleister Black did zero. And, Nothing. And but as a human, but as a human, you don't get younger. So those two years are gone. So I think that's what he means is like, Hey, if you're not going to do anything, then you gotta let me go. You can't just hoard. Black has even said, I think black has even said, he's like, yo man, they tried. They gave me everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know a couple things and I got to do what I wanted to do. And none of it seemed to click. 
But instead of just going like, hey, let's give it another college try, they should have just said yeah. seven months ago, eight months well, ago, let's just end this now. And to some credit there on the, on the flip side of this is is like, yes, they gave you every opportunity to do what you wanted to do. And let's say what you wanted to do was like, let me try this room gimmick and see who comes knocking on the door. Well, it could have been somebody other than Cesaro who was, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Cesaro. Right. You know, like, like, so yes, there is an aspect of like, you let me do what I wanted to do, but you put it in the middle of the show with a, you know what I mean? Yeah. And also ran. I just so think, what are we going to do about it? I just think the, the disservice is if you are just going to keep them so that they're not going over there, a body doesn't get younger. And so if you're going to have them do matches on main event, then when they do get out on the independent circuit or whatever it is that they you know, go to, it's like, well, I used to do that move, but I did it, you know, the last six months over on main event and now my fucking back hurts. So I'm not going to do that. And like, well, what the fuck? That's what we brought here. You know what I mean? And so that's where I think if you're not going to do it, let these talents, because you only have a shelf life of, you know, A to B, uh, you got to let them get out of there as, as quick as possible for their own health. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, Ash, ah, God, I love the email, and you two can do the same, and, you know, you can also tweet the table, you can do both, you can do anything you fucking want. There you go. Do anything you fucking want. Right? And I think what we want to do is we want to get out of here. I had enough of these technical difficulties. It happens. To start the show. I was all excited, and then got all pissed off. It's just like a fucking episode of Raw. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then we'll leave it at that. And we'll fucking get out of here. We'll just fucking take this break and say until next time. Uh, hit us up on Smash Announce Table in the chat. And um, yeah, I don't know. Fucking, Talk to you soon. Yeah, later. The Spanish Announce Table.